Welcome to a special presentation of Sellout Crowd, Conversations with Coach. I'm Bob Stoops. I'm taking time to talk with my friends and colleagues in the sports world to get caught up and share some stories. But first, I want to say thanks to these sponsors, Rose Hill Builders, First Fidelity Bank, and Louis Bar and Grill. Today I'm joined by uh, a fellow sellout crowd colleague, Barry Trammell. He and I are going to talk about a lot of the coaching changes around the country, some significant ones when you see, when you think about Nick Saban uh, retiring, uh, Pete Carroll being gone at Seattle, uh, Bill Belichick moving on from the uh, New England Patriots. So no one better to interview me about coaches and, and changes and things that have happened and then uh, Barry Trammell, part of our sellout crowd uh, company. Welcome, Barry. Appreciate you joining me and helping me here today. You bet. Glad to do it, Bob. It is going to be fun talking about. We're talking about giants in the in the coaching world. Uh, two right. of the best. Two of the best ever. Nick Saban and Bill Belichick moving off their jobs a day apart. I mean, that's that's history in the making. And of course, you've been around a long time. You've interacted. You competed against uh, some of these guys. Um, and we were chatting the other night and you have, uh, you know, you've got some good stories with some of these guys, some good perspective, uh, before we get some of the, to the funny stuff, let me ask you, like on a Nick Saban, uh, who apparently doesn't want to coach anymore. Um, can you see why a 72 year old Nick Saban might say, you know what, this is, this is good. I've, I've done my, uh, I've done my, uh, long stretch in football. Maybe it's a good time to step away. You know, I, I really do. Uh, and I'm not, I wasn't tired or worn out when I left. People sometimes use that as a, you know, well, he, you know, he's tired of it or he's, you know, it's time. Nick got a ton of energy. I, I've been around him a ton. Um, it's, it's just all that goes into it in today's world, especially now in college football. For the longest time, you could take two, three weeks off in the summer. You could, once there was a dead period in recruiting where you, you couldn't go out and recruit or contact players. Today's world, and I'm not saying this is why I did it, I, but this is me looking at it that I could see why, you know, I've done this. He did it at as well or better than anybody ever has. He's had so many years, you know, doing this and winning at such a high level that when is it going to ever be the right time? And with all the, the year long process of, what it takes for recruiting, for, uh, you know, recruiting your own team, recruiting new players, you know, who, what, who, what transfers do you pick up? Who's going to get what money, you know, as we divvy up all the NIL money, all of that together, I could just see where, you know what, you know, Nick's at a point, Coach Saban, that look, I've done it. I've done it as well as you can do it. Now's the right time for me to just step away and, at some point, he's got a great family. Enjoy your family more. Travel a little bit more. And, uh, you know, and I'm sure he'll be a part of, uh, you know, the Alabama, you know, uh, administration and helping in whatever form he can. Of course, you and, uh, you and Nick go back a long way. He's from that little section of the country, uh, you know, the, the Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia sliver that seems to produce so many fantastic coaches. But, uh, you, you ran across Nick twice and had had competition as head coaches, went one and one against each other in sugar bowls. But let me ask you uh, about the famous story 
when uh, when he's recruiting, and uh, he got to know the Stoops yeah. family, and and a very famous and funny story occurred. Yeah, Nick's been uh, Coach Saban has really been a friend of the Stoops family for a long, long time. Um, I can remember as a young graduate assistant going up with my uncle Bob that I'm named after, my father, and my older brother Ron. We go up to watch the Browns practice. And uh, Coach Saban is there with Coach Belichick. And they were very welcoming to us. And so Coach Saban used to at Michigan State, you know, before the Browns there or after maybe, I, I get it mixed up, which was first. He used to come through Youngstown recruiting. He had that area. He would come by, see my father, see Don Butchie, our head coach at South Side of Youngstown at Cardinal Mooney High School. And they'd always talk football. My bad dad being a defensive guy. And so was Coach Saban. They'd be talking all this strategy. And my Uncle Bob was a head coach at South High School, inner city school there on the south side of Youngstown. And he would go through and see my Uncle Bob recruit his guys. And they were always just talking ball, you know. And and um, one time, the, the event you're talking about has been talked about a little bit. The two of them, my Uncle Bob and Coach Saban, they go to the talk of the town right up on the south side of Youngstown, right up on Market Street. I know right where it's at. The two of them are in there having lunch, talking football, using salt shakers and pepper shakers and whatever they could get on to, to you know, to talk about different strategies and how something would work. And in the meantime, somebody comes in the, the joint in the talk of the town with a shotgun and holds the place up, uh, pulls, pulls the shotgun on the bartender and Takes all the money, of course, from the cash register, whoever was right up there. And uh, Coach Saban and uh, and my uncle, they, they don't even know what's happening. They're still engrossed in talking all this football until late. And then the guy leaves. And when the guy left, so he didn't know why, but a guy breaks a bottle uh, that was also in the in the place. And I don't know if he was an owner or what. And and. My uncle said, Coach Saban turns to the guy and said, we okay, buddy? You got, is there a problem? And the guy goes, yeah, you did a couple <laughs> bad words. He says, you don't SOB. We just got held up and just got robbed. And they're like, get the hell out of here. That, did that actually happen? So sure enough, about 30 minutes later, police show up, and they're interviewing everybody what actually happened. And the bartender said, don't even bother talking to those two. They had no idea anything <laughs> happened. They're over there talking the whole time. So uh, that's mm. it's a true story. I've heard Coach Saban say it. I've heard my uncle tell it. And uh, But that's just a couple of ball coaches talking football and talking shop. But uh, so anyway, uh, we go back a long way. Coach Saban recruited my brother Mark uh, after Mike and I had already played at Iowa. So uh, he he recruited Mark. Uh, he used to stop in, see my father. I can remember he was an assistant uh, uh, coordinator at at, um, at Michigan State. My father was up there with our family to see my brother Mark play. It was the last year my father was alive, and and uh, it was raining that night. And uh, and after the game, I got to go home. I got to go up and see it, and I was at Kent. Uh, Kent State at the time. So I got to see it go leave. But he, Coach Saban has my whole family that's there. They're wet from being in the stands and watching the game to come over his house, dry off before they're going to drive home, a four or five hour drive home, you know, to uh, back to Youngstown. So 
anyway, we, we go back a long way. Of course, he hired Mike a while ago and, and, uh, been, been a great friend of the family for a long time. Always enjoy seeing him and, uh, wish him the best. Um, you, you mentioned we played twice. He won the bigger one. He won the, uh, at LSU, won the national championship in, uh, the 2003 season, 2004, uh, Sugar Bowl. But, uh, but, uh, I, I won the one that didn't count as much. The, uh, but it still, it still matters. It was still a good win that I know our team and, and fans appreciated. Yeah. When you, you tell that talk of the town story where, uh, Saban and your uncle are so, are so focused and, and, totally bought in on their conversation. They don't even know that uh, the place is being robbed. Is that, is that a good example of, of Saban's uh, focus and sort of uh, uh, he, had, he had sort of blinders on with, with what the goal was? Is that a good indication of, of how he was so successful? Oh, I, I would say definitely. Um, you know, that and, and he was always innovative. You know, you, you know we um, – but I would say definitely, yeah, that's his zeroed in focus on the, the task at hand. But also, you you know, I think he, he always has innovated, you know, through the years. And I know a couple of times our our coaching staffs, even when Kirby Smart was with him at Alabama after we had played him or before, we had we had gotten together a couple of times to share ideas and talk strategies and different, you know, schemes and you know, uh, just to, you know, I, I, it was the new era of all the uh, no huddle, the fast paced offenses. And I know we talked to them a lot because we were dealing with it because we were doing it ourselves on how to handle it and, and uh, shorten your signals, shorten, you know, your verbiage, all that kind of stuff. So we, we got together on other occasions and it was always fun, always insightful to visit with them. When you look at when you look at what Nick Saban did at Alabama, I, I've been saying it's remarkable uh, compared to the historical figures in college football. What you guys had to go through in the 21st century is a much tougher postseason road in terms of of playing true championship games. Um, late in your career, we we added the the 14 playoffs, so you had to win two playoff games to get the title and. It's just uh, it didn't used to be that way. When you look at all of that, when you look at Saban's seven national titles, six at Alabama, um, are, are you are you one that agrees with the masses that he he's the greatest coach of all time in college football? Oh, I, I would I would say so. Uh, agreed. Uh, like you said, the challenges in today's you weren't just appointed. Uh, champion or this, you know, because you went to this bowl game, that bowl game, and everyone just, you know, threw out who they thought was the best. I mean, they, with the playoff system, I don't think there's any way you could dispute that. Uh, you know, uh, the history there and, and, uh, extra, extra games, not just the SEC championship. And then, like you said, a couple of different playoff games or a playoff game and championship game that, that's, that's extra tough. So, I, I I would say definitely, um, you know, there's there's no one else that's done it at that level. When uh, and then a day later, of course, we we find out that Bill Belichick and the Patriots are parting ways. Uh, maybe the greatest NFL coach of all time. That one's uh, probably debatable, but just a, a top of the line successful coach in the NFL. Tell us uh, uh, your 
your personal involvement with Bill Belichick does not go as deep as with Nick Saban. But what did you uh, what did you know about Bill che- Bill Belichick? What did you admire about him? And yeah, what were same- your what were your in- interactions like with him? Yeah, always positive, always good. Coach Belichick's much different than he allows the media to see. Um, when you when you know him in person, he's really a fun, good guy to be around. And I guess not that he isn't when he's in front of the media. I don't think he just enjoys that very much. But and and when you're a pro coach and successful as he is, you don't have to. Uh, but um, always appreciated. Same thing I told you I'd got. He was very welcoming early in my career to bring us up, watch, study. Um, obviously, he and Coach Saban, you know, they were together for so long. Um, I would always, uh, always appreciated ahead of every draft. It'd be the day or two, one or two days before whatever draft, every year for probably, happened to me probably three, four times, not, not every year in a row, but I would get a call the day before the draft the NFL draft, or maybe two days before. And I'd see the number, and I, it was uh, it was un, not recognized, but it was a Foxborough number. And I'm like, I guarantee you that's Coach Belichick. <laughs> so so sure enough, I, I'm reluctant to answer, but I, I figured it's Dave had a drive probably, and it'd be one of his assistants calling for him for him to get on the phone. So he, he would say, hey, Bob, how you doing? And you know, you got a few minutes and I'm sure coach, you know, and we go through, he wanted to go through every guy, every guy on our team uh, that was in the draft, didn't matter how far down it might be. He wanted to know about other people in the league that we played against certain ones he would ask me about. He wanted to know everything he could about every guy, even teams, other people we competed against. So it, it speaks to how thorough he was. And he, he would even ask about guys. He goes, I'm not, I'm not able to take this guy, but tell me about him. <laughs> you know, so like for future, for whatever. Yeah. So he, he always was so detailed in gathering information and uh, was always fun to talk to. He was always appreciative once we hung up. And, uh, but that happened three, four times. And then in the middle of all that, I uh, played in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Uh, sponsored by AT&T, three or four times, I think four times uh, in the Pro-Am. And I think it was the first time I played in it, first or second. I'm changing tee boxes, you know, going from one side to the other. And Coach Belichick and I cross paths. He comes over, goes out of his way to grab me, say, hey, Bob, how you doing? Good to see you. Hey, Coach, good to see you too and whatnot. And and, uh, and he says, look, um, this evening, he goes, I'm going, we're going to dinner at a so-and-so place in Carmel. He goes, my, his caddy was his, his roommate in college, Vinny. <laughs> so, you know, who just like you think my cousin Vinny, great guy. He guy was awesome. And, and his wife, he goes, we're all going to dinner. Why don't you come join us? And I had a little function that, that I, I could get out of. I said, you know what? I'll do that. I'll, I'll call me. I called him uh, after we were finished golfing and made sure I knew where we were going and what time. And, and uh, we had a great dinner, a ton of fun. His, his buddy and uh, who was his caddy and his wife were great fun, great people laughing all the time. So a lot, lot different than the, the persona that's just publicly put on display after games, before games. And, and uh, chuckling, funny end to it. I, 
I go to grab my wallet at the end of the dinner to, you know, to participate in paying for the dinner. And he kind of smiled and he says, ah, he goes, it's okay, but I got it. <laughs> so, um, pretty, you know, which he, he was probably making triple what I was making, but it doesn't matter. So, but a great guy and, um, what you got to admire what he's done as well. Just, just incredible. All the, the su- consistent success he's had for so many years. And, you know, I could kind of see the 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 breakup there. Uh, twenty four years, you know what they've done it. They've done it at the highest level, and now's the time, you know, for for everybody, you know, maybe just to let's do something different. You know, when I look at at Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, uh, their careers were so parallel for so long. But um, but one thing that's going to be interesting at both places is the difficulty in replacing a guy like that. You were on the other end of that. When you came to OU, you were not replacing uh, coaches who had been really successful, been, you know, about a decade since uh, the Barry Switzer glory years. Uh, when when you retired and Lincoln replaced you, um, you handed over the keys to a Maserati, but, um, but Lincoln is the one that had to sort of go through that. How tough do you think it is replacing a legend, replacing, I can't imagine, you know, it it appears at this taping that Kalen DeBoer is the selection at Alabama. That seems like a very difficult assignment to replace a Nick Saban at Alabama, to replace a Bill Belichick at New England, to replace a Bob Stoops at Oklahoma. Well, I I agree uh, absolutely that that's really difficult. And you got to be a brave soul to go do it because uh, um, I, I can remember I was an assistant uh, about my third year, maybe second year at Florida. As uh, in uh, lunchtime, we always worked out, and Coach Spurrier was down in the locker room getting ready to get his workout in at noon, and he was rolling around stretching. And he said, "You know what, Bobby?" He goes, "One of these days, I'm gonna leave here." He goes, "You might be the guy that." He goes, you're going to have to think, do you want to be the guy to replace the guy? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? He started thinking about it. I go, that's a tough task. And uh, to replace Coach Saban, I, I think that's a tough deal. Uh, if it is Kellen DeBoer, I, I think the guy's awesome. I don't know him. I've watched him, his teams. He's won at every level where he's been. The job he did at Washington. I thought was outstanding this year. So he definitely has the staff and, and he knows what the heck he's doing. And so, you know, if it is him, I wish him the best. And, and um, you know, he'll do well. And same thing replacing Coach Belichick's going to be. I get the last couple of years they've struggled. But, um, you know, all those Super Bowls and, and, uh, and the consistent success, that he had for so many years uh, is pretty special. So it is tough uh, replacing guys that have had that kind of legacy. Another guy you mentioned in the, uh, in the intro, but we haven't talked about since is Pete Carroll. Yeah. Who uh, parted ways in Seattle. He's a, I don't think he, he ascended to the, to the status level of Nick Saban or Bill Belichick. But when you talk about a guy who has won at the highest levels, on both the college and the pro levels, it's uh, that's a rare club. Um, Pete Carroll did a wonderful job at Southern Cal. If you look at the history of USC since John yeah. Robinson, 
uh, after uh, since he first his first tenure ended at USC forty years ago. The only man who really won consistently at USC has been Pete Carroll. And then he goes to the Seahawks and not just won a Super Bowl, but consistently won. Uh, it's very difficult to win year after year after year in the NFL. He did it in Seattle. Uh, you didn't have a lot of interaction with Pete Carroll. One unfortunate night in the Orange Bowl comes to mind. But what, what are your memories and, and knowledge of Pete Carroll? Yeah, I've always uh, appreciated, admired the way he coached. Always seems so positive, so upbeat. I know players really, you know, I've gotten to know Matt Leinart and uh, Reggie Bush, of course, working with them really well that just love playing for him. So you got to admit, just like you said, the USC track record after John Robinson wasn't much. And and Pete Carroll, Coach Carroll came in and and he, you know, he they took off and he did an incredible job. And, uh, and then goes, you know, to the to Seattle Seahawks and wins the Super Bowl there. Almost won a, a second one, correct? It, it, yeah. Other than yeah. Uh, yeah, except for that interception on the goal line, yeah. yeah. Patriot was about yeah. to was about to win another one. So uh, exceptional career. Again, I always admired the the energy, the positiveness he he seems to exude. I've bumped into him a few times, never real long. I hadn't spent a ton of time with him, but. You have to appreciate from looking, from watching him, the the great job he did, and I always have, and I, I'd always read articles about him, anything I could, uh, for that reason, just because the, uh, you know, just the uh, positive guy he is, and and the success that that he had as well. You told me the story one time. This has been years ago. You told me the story. I can't remember if it was before the Orange Bowl or after the Orange Bowl, but you guys were at a banquet or some function, and just had a moment together, and he was very complimentary of the job that you had done at Oklahoma because he thought he thought he had a lot of advantages being in L.A. and being at USC compared to being in the middle of the country here at, at Oklahoma. Do you recall that? Do you yeah. recall that in uh, conversation? Yeah, definitely. It was we were together, of course, before we played. Uh, you know how you're there a week ahead, and you got different banquets or different functions to go to, and we were talking and he, he did just bring up that, look, man, what you've done there at Oklahoma, he goes, you're out in the middle of the country. It's, it's not like you're on the coast here or out in LA and weather and, and different attractions. And he goes, man, how, however you've done that, he goes, it's pretty incredible. And, you know, you don't ever bring that up. You know, we have an incredible history and tradition here, but it's not always the most, uh, you know, uh, you, you got to want to be here for a lot of different reasons other than just the glitz and glamour and things like that, which is okay. Uh, we always wanted guys that were interested in being a Sooner, playing great football, going to class, being a student. And that's what in the end is going to matter in your life more than anything. And, but you know, you do get it what some places have geographically, even for population and things like that, just have more advantages. Uh, that's just natural. And, but we've, you know, for the longest time through decades here, have been over, been able to overcome those and win at a high level. And uh, but he was he he definitely brought that up right away of that you know just kind of asking how how we were able to do that and and we did it quickly you know in in ninety nine two thousand through at that point through two thousand three. Well, before we wrap this up, Bob, let's let's circle back to Nick Saban. 
And um, one thing I think that has happened in the last three or four years, you alluded to it about the 24-7, 365 nature of the job these days um, in that uh, constantly recruiting, whether it's high schools, whether it's the portal, whether it's your own roster, right. uh, the, NI, the NIL element now. Uh, do you think, you know, people have been speculating about this forever. Uh, they've been wrong most of the time, but maybe we're entering an era where they are right and that coaches might not coach as long as they once did. Do you think, do you think that the current landscape, the current climate might cause some successful guys to say, you know what, I, you know, I can, I can, I can do something else. Oh, definitely. And I don't think just because of the climate and what the job entails today in today's world and you know, the, like you said, 365, you know, days a year, it's, it's on. Um, but I also think they're making enough money. Uh, you know, the money they're making, you, you could, you know, you're, if you're making eight, nine, 10 million a year, you only need to go so many years to be able to retire. So, so I think that also will, will help some guys. You know what? I'm going to go enjoy my life a little bit now. I've done my deal. I've, I've, you know, and you think where it started, I don't, back in the day, a lot of coaches didn't, didn't coach, you know, into their late, into their fifties. Right. I mean, you know, look at the coaches through Oklahoma and, and, uh, you know, through the years at a lot of places wasn't always that way, but I know it has become. And, uh, you know, when you look at Joe Paterno's Bobby Bowden's and some of these guys, but I, I think today's world, the, the demands as well as the money they're making will allow them to to step out, uh, you know, at younger ages. Well, you're exactly right. Bud Wilkinson was 47 or 48. Frank Broyles and, and Daryl Royal in their early 50s. Yeah, it's it's a fairly recent phenomenon. You're exactly right. Yeah. Well, Bob, this has been fun. Hey, this has been fun. I appreciate you giving me the chance to sit around and talk about these coaches. Yeah, I didn't, didn't want this week to get away from us, Barry, for, you know uh, – for our company, sellout crowd, I thought this would be a heck of a good topic with all these big coaches, uh, you know, having to move on and do different things. And I uh, enjoyed being with you. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks a lot. That wraps up this installment of Conversations with Coach. Follow and subscribe to this channel and visit selloutcrowd.com to find out about upcoming programs. <laughs>